The following message is by Pastor Jason Polly. More information from Harmony Bible Church is available at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. Jesus, I praise you for today. I thank you for the gift of Sunday, of worshiping of the Lord's Day. I thank you that we can come here and gather and fellowship with one another and learn more about who you are and how we can reflect you in our lives. I thank you for uh, Peter's writings. I ask, Father, that you would take anything from me um, that I uh, shouldn't say. Uh, Father, that would just come from my flesh. And Father, I ask that you give uh, me your words through your Holy Spirit, Father. I ask you to be gracious with, with each and every uh, member and person visiting um, this church today, Father, that they might be encouraged through your word and that I might uh, be a vessel um, uh, that you fill up and overflow with your good gospel. So I thank you for today, and I ask that you'd uh, help me Holy Spirit, come please and uh, aid me in bringing your word. In Jesus' name we pray. <laughs> Living according to his promise. That's the title of my message, our message this morning, coming from 2 Peter 3 10 through 13. Just to start off, I would like to uh, let you know who I am briefly. A lot of you may know who I am. Um, I'll bet just give a brief synopsis of how I ended up <laughs> behind this uh, pulpit here today. Um, my name is Matt Norton, uh, and my Polly, obviously, because I was down. Uh, so uh, he asked me to preach. Um, and uh, as Bill was saying, it's, uh, it's a, weighty, a weighty thing. Uh, to be asked to bring the word of God to God's people. And uh, so I don't take this lightly, and I'm appreciative of Jason's uh, confidence, um, but it's not in me, it's in the gospel um, that has saved me, and that uh, Lord willing has saved you, uh, or will save you. So, uh, currently I'm a, a Southern, uh, I'm at, uh, a student at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and you may be wondering uh, if you're not in Louisville, Kentucky right now. This is the uh, farthest you can get from Louisville, Kentucky, other than probably going to Alaska. Um, uh, so how do you do that? Well, I'm, I'm doing distance courses uh, uh, online and flying down there um, for intensive courses. Uh, I spent a year down there um, with um, my beautiful wife um, and two children um, and just being drenched in the gospel. And uh, we found out that we were having, expecting baby number two, uh, little Hava. Uh, we had a little Gideon down there at appropriately enough Norton Hospital <laughs> in, uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. So little, little Gideon had a bib uh, that said uh, Norton baby. <laughs> and it was, it was very appropriate. People, we, we kind of get VIP treatment because I thought that we had some sort of clout uh, with the Nortons at Norton Hospital, um, uh, but we weren't. We 
we were just uh, seminary, a seminary family getting along and having our first baby uh, down there in Little Kentucky. So uh, we have a southerner, a true southerner in our midst. And it's neither Samantha nor I, it is little Gideon down in the nursery. Um, so, and then we have, we've been blessed with little Hava, who was born uh, this last year. And uh, she is, uh, she's a, a beautiful little blessing. Um, so anyways, uh, we're back here in Maine, um, and I've been privileged uh, to be here at Harmony um, under the teaching of uh, Pastor Polly, Pastor Jason. Uh, I knew him from uh, First Baptist Church. Uh, he was um, a pastor when I was there, and he was a great encouragement um, to me. I'm just seeing him go through you know, the Bible college and um, being an administrative pastor and then coming coming on board here, so uh, I'm so blessed, um, Samantha and I uh, feel this way, to be part of this uh, church family, to get to know you guys, um, and be under the teaching of uh, Pastor Polly. So I want to just implore you that you are truly blessed with um, with Jason, um, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for him. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful for or excited for, rather, uh, the future of Harmony. I'm excited for what God is going to do in our midst here in South Thomaston, Maine, um, where we are going from here. Um, so uh, our family, uh, we're, we're just excited to, to get to know you guys again um, be part of this church. So uh, to, to start off um, transitioning into our, our sermon on uh, 2 Peter, um, I'd like to do an overview, uh, as Pastor Paul usually does, before we jump into our passage. Um, so, looking, uh, thinking back to chapter 1 of Second uh, Peter, uh, we know that Peter encouraged his readers to be firmly rooted in the truth of the gospel. He told them to make sure that they were truly saved, that they had genuine faith in the Lord, in, in the true gospel of Christ, not some cleverly devised Tale. And he told them that growing in Christ-like character would be the evidence of such faith. Then in chapter 2, Peter's focus shifted to a warning about false teachers who were motivated by pride, material gain, and sexual sin, and thus trying to exploit the church. He said that these false teachers were empty vessels, making empty promises, and that they were facing an empty future. One one where they would remain enslaved to their sin and kept, be kept under judgment until the day of judgment. Uh, then in the beginning of uh, chapter 3, uh, Peter continued to address the harmful teaching of these uh, false teachers. Peter said that they were mocking those who believed in the return of Christ and that such mockers were, one, following their desire to um, the desire which led them to their denial of the truth, and three, um, which led them to their disregard for God's uh, for God and His warnings. And then finally, last week uh, we saw uh, Peter emphasizing God's timing is often different than our timing. The mockers question God's return and use it as license to sin. In response to Peter, uh, in, in response Peter pushes his audience to live in light of Christ's coming, no matter when God chooses it to be. Then Peter went on to emphasize that God is not slow, but rather is being patient 
with his unbelievers. With, with the unbelievers. The patience of God equals the calling of more sinners to himself. And we should rejoice in that as we all have family members, we all have friends, uh, we all know living in Maine, one of the most unchurched states in the country, um, that God's patience um, is actually a blessing uh, in, in that he might save more before he returns. Um, so we should, we should glory in that. Um, and then finally, uh, Peter showed God's decisive nature in that he will return and this world will pass away. We do not know when he will return, but we know that he will, and that is decisive. This should then spur us to share the gospel and then live in light of this great gospel. And as I thought about what Peter uh, has been leading up to in our passage today, I can't help but be reminded of how we know as humans, uh, we know as humans we have a limited time here on earth. Uh, the headlines uh, today read disaster, left and right. Um, we have terrorism just running rampant over in, in the Middle East. Um, it's, it's been all over the headlines very much this year, uh, but it seems to be constantly they're being turmoil. Um, we have Ebola, uh, that's a huge thing um, that people are, uh, are nervous about that uh, is just um, really uh, ravaging Africa and that has jumped the sea um, and come here to the United States. Um, and then even more, if we, if, if we can't, if we don't even just look at the things that are happening to us from outside, uh, the threats to us from outside, um, our own bodies are destroying themselves. Um, from within, and we have medical problems of all sorts. And I, I'm reminded of uh, a movie that I saw um, a little while ago called The, the Bucket List. It's called The Bucket List. Um, it had Morgan Freeman and uh, Jack Nicholas in it, um, and they are two terminally ill uh, men who are about to die. And they come up with a bucket list. Morgan Freeman has this bucket list. Jack Nicholas is intrigued um, by what is on it. And, um, and so they go off on this adventure. Uh, fulfilling, with Jack Nicholas's much, with, with all of his money, fulfilling all of their uh, desires uh, for satisfaction um, in this life. And one uh, exchange between uh, Jack Nicholas and Morgan Freeman in the movie, um, they say, uh, Jack says, uh, asks about faith, and he says, do you mean that if I make a promise, or this or that, the big guy, or the big, will make this all go away, he's referring to his sickness? He then shows his true colors, uh, once again by saying, we live, we die, and the wheels on the bus go round and round and round. So this attitude of finitude that both Freeman and Nicholas tried to compensate for by creating a bucket list of activities that they thought would give their lives uh, fulfillment um, is ultimately uh, found uh, to not reach that full satisfaction. And this, this bucket list phenomenon is not uh, just privy to Hollywood movies um, or to people with exorbitant amounts of money. Uh, we, there's, a, there's actually a website called uh, bucketlist.org 
And you can go there, um, and it's all about sharing uh, your bucket list with a community of people, showing off what you've done. Um, so there's skydiving, there's mountain climbing, there's globe trotting. Uh, for, for our context, maybe here, there's lobster crates running during the summertime. Just checking those things off of your bucket list. Oh man, that, that would be so great to do one day. Um, uh, and these are all things that people desire. These are all pleasures that people are trying to find satisfaction in. These are all examples of, uh, to use the word, hedonism. Living our lives for the happiness of now, just for the pleasure of now. The idea is having your best life now. Jason has made um, several references to um, some some other preachers who uh, preach the prosperity gospel. They want you want your satisfaction now. You should have it right now. And doing extreme things, promising that you can do extreme things for the thrill of the moment, um, and uh, just just find some sort of satisfaction. But in opposition to uh, Peter's culture at the time and our, our culture today, Peter, um, as we will see in our passage, proposes a more ultimate satisfaction. He proposes a satisfaction that can only be found in God and the promise of his second coming. So rather than a bucket list of things that will please our flesh in the moment, Peter proposes living our lives according to God's promise of his return and then our lives live for an eternal impact. With that in mind, um, if you would stand, um, and we'll read 2 Peter 2, 11 through 13. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, 2 Peter, uh, sorry, 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we see here in Second uh, Peter three eleven through thirteen, uh, Peter begins the section uh, of this letter uh, in verse eleven by saying, "Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, and it is clear uh, from this passage that he's saying, since all these things are happening in this way, he's referring back to something that he said earlier." So if you look in verses uh, 7 and you look in verses 10, uh, you can see uh, that it says in verse 7, But by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And then in verse 10, we see, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. So Peter is not telling us these things 
that we might revel in the coming destruction of the world. We're not looking forward uh, to seeing people destroyed and being judged. We know uh, that this is not true because he says earlier, as I alluded to earlier, that uh, it is a blessing that God is being patient. That, that the people that we know that don't know Christ might be called to Christ. So we know that we're not supposed to be reveling in that in that judgment. Rather, Peter is saying that in light of this real second coming of Christ and the decisive destruction, we must live expectant lives. That is the first point of our sermon today. We must live expectant lives. Verse 11 continues by saying, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Peter says that in light of the coming destruction, we should live in holy conduct and godliness. Holy conduct in this uh, passage refers to our actions. Those things that reflect God's goodness and who He is, our holy conduct. Godliness refers to our beliefs that premeditate our actions. Those thoughts, those attitudes, those, uh, that, that state of the heart that allows us to uh, overflow with, with holy conduct. So, this is no new concept. Uh, this is no new concept for... Uh, uh, for Peter and Peter's letter for Peter's audience, because in First Peter one and uh, First Peter one uh, fifteen or second yeah First Peter one fifteen Peter writes, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior. So further, isn't it interesting how Peter phrases this? He says it as if it is a question. What sort of people? Ought you to be. But there's no question mark there. Rather than a question, many commentators have said, because of the, um, how the, uh, the syntax of the Greek, um, they say that rather than a question, uh, this is actually an exclamation. This is an exclamation. So what Peter is saying is that because the day of the Lord is coming, we must live with holy conduct and godliness. He's not asking, uh, ought you to live with holy, con uh, holy conduct and godliness. He's saying, you must live with holy conduct and godliness. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10, if you uh, want to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10, Paul writes, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. We, uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to, that, uh, according to what He has done, whether good or or bad. So therefore, we also have as our ambition, 
as our ambition. So many times we have ambition in our lives. We have ambition to get a raise. We have ambition to be uh, a good parent, a grandparent, a brother, a sister, a friend. But he's saying, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. To be pleasing to Him. So, is holy conduct and godliness supposed to be evident in all areas of life? Yes. Absolutely yes. Peter is imploring that. So, what does this look like in your life? What does holy conduct uh, and, and godliness, a state of mind, look like? What does it look like in your devotional life? What does it look like in your motivations? Why do you read your Bible? Is it because you think it's making you closer uh, to God in a way that you're on better terms with Him? Is it because it's just out of obligation? Or is it because you have a joy in your heart and a thirst for righteousness, for godliness, that leads you to want to take in His Word so that when you go out the rest of your day, you might live in holy conduct, loving your neighbor as yourself and loving God. So are you finding your joy in Christ and then acting on that joy by loving God and loving others? So moving on to verse, uh, verse 12, we read, Looking for and hastening the coming day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. Peter is emphasizing in this passage that we uh, will be looking forward to and almost hastening the day of God. Almost hastening the day of, of God. Now, now, there are various opinions on uh, what the day of God means. Um, various commentators um, interpret it differently. In this particular passage, some say that it refers to uh, the end state, when we will be with God after the destruction of all things. And Christ is king, and he's ruling, reign, reigning, and we're with him. Others see it as the same day, um, or as a similar day, um, uh, where the destruction and judgment of God will come, and then he will rule and reign with those who he has called to himself. Um, so there's these two flows of, uh, flows of thought, um, but the point is they both end in the same area. We are with, we are judged, the world is judged, and then we are with Christ if we are in Christ. And I think the point here is, um, and I would probably lean towards referring to uh, Day of God is judgment, um, uh, referring to the after judgment day of God as we have uh, seen earlier in, in Peter, um, that God is patient and does not wish any to perish. I think that the point is that God is coming and we should desire to be with Him. That's the point. The point is that God is coming one day and we should desire to be with Him. We do not desire the destruction of others, but rather being with Him in glory. Uh, Titus 2.13 states, Looking for blessed hope 
and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So that's Titus 2.13. It says, states, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So it is clear from uh, Titus and from uh, Peter that we are to eagerly uh, await God's coming. We are eagerly to look forward to it. We are almost to hasten at speed towards it. Uh, and there's, but there's a balance here where we're looking forward. We're looking forward to His coming. We're looking forward. Uh, we're saying, come Lord Jesus, come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We're saying these things. But at the same time, we're understanding God is sovereign. And that He is patient. And that as He waits, or as He... Um, as he is ruling reign, reigning now, he knows exactly when he will return, like a thief in the night. So we're, we're eagerly looking forward to him, but we're trusting right now in his sovereignty that he will save who he, um, who he desires, um, and he will call all to repentance, um, and might call as many uh, to salvation um, as possible. So, in light of the coming day of God and His destruction, and in being with Him in glory, we are to look forward with eager anticipation, living holy and godly lives, living living lives that are are are, um, are in godliness. They're 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 described by godliness. That's our state of mind. That's our beliefs. And then we have out out of that outpours our holy conduct. In short, first point, we must live expectant lives. So we know that we are to live expectant lives, and our second point is that our promised future is our hope. Our promised future is our hope. So looking at verse 13, looking at verse 13, it says, But according to his promise, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth, in which righteousness dwells. The promise of God has been since the beginning. We are going from garden to garden. They call this, uh, within theological circles, they call it uh, biblical theology. We see that all of Scripture tells one great and grand story. That in the beginning it was good. And in the, end, in the end, it will be good again. We are going from garden to garden. And that in between, man has sinned, man has transgressed against God, man has chosen himself over God, both in actions um, and in attitudes. And that by the grace of God, uh, we even see early on in Genesis that he is going to provide atonement. He's looking forward to a sacrifice that will come one day as the centerpiece, the climax of all of history in Jesus Christ, that he will live a perfect life that we cannot live, and that he will die on a cross that we cannot bear, and that he will rise again, triumphant, like no one else could, and that he will have victory over Satan, sin, and death, and that he sent his Holy Spirit after that 
in this world, and he offers salvation by trusting in him alone. And then, one day, in his patience, in time, he will return. And he will judge. Righteously. Because we all know we've done wrong things. We break his commandments all the time. By God's grace, we're sanctified and redeemed, and we're made more like Him continually. But we all need Christ. We all continually need Christ. And He is coming. And He is coming. So that is the grand narrative of Scripture. And in, in this, uh, in verse 13, we see, but according to His promise, His promise of His second coming, of making things right, we know things are wrong. We have disease, war, all these things going on. He is going to make things right. And a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In which righteousness dwell, dwells. And we know, looking forward to Revelation, uh, the descriptions of what uh, this new heaven, <laughs> this new earth, look like. And, and it's, it's amazing. You can't even comprehend um, uh, what it, it, it quite will look like. But we know there will be a physical new heaven and a new earth. And this may reflect it in some way. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure exactly how God's going to work that out. Um, but He is going to make everything right. And there, the key, in the end, He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth in which what? Righteousness dwells in which righteousness dwells. And that righteousness is not referring to our good works. It's not referring to all these good things that we've done. Righteousness is going to be pervasive in the new heavens and in the new earth because, because Christ is King. Because God the Father is there and the Holy Spirit is there and they are ruling and reigning and we are in this perfect kingdom. And righteousness will dwell. But looking back to where we are now, rewinding to 2014, whether that's rewinding a day and Christ returns tomorrow, or a thousand years from now, we know that we are to reflect that righteousness of God in our lives today. We know that in our uh, in our attitude, our beliefs, in our hearts, we are supposed to be godly, and then we are supposed to reflect that coming age when Christ will return. And people see that. People see that in your lives. They see a glimpse when you're living in holy conduct, and when you're loving your neighbor as yourself, and you're loving God, they see a glimpse of what it will be like. It's, it's, a, it's a faded shadow, but it is uh, peering through the veil. Seeing what it will be like. When we love, when we love one another, when we uh, uh, do events that love the community, when we engage our family members that don't know Christ, when we love our families that do know Christ, people get a glimpse of the righteousness of God because that is not because um, that's not 
That is not because of any good works in us. That is because of the grace of God that we can do any of these things. But we must remember that there's this dynamic. There's this balance here. We ought to live holy in holy conduct and godliness. But we also trust in God's sovereignty and His coming and His righteousness. They work together. They work together. So, thinking back, thinking back to the bucket list, thinking back to um, when Jack thinks, Jack McGlitz, when he thinks that it is ridiculous that we should make a promise to the big, uh, to the big, what's he called, the God, big, and everything will be okay. We make this promise to God and everything okay. That's what he says in the movie. In a way, Jack Nicholas is he's, he's, he's kind of right. The truth is that the most important promise is not our own, but God's promise to us. We do not hold fast to a promise we make to God, but to a promise that God made to us. We know the Israelites continually broke their promises to God. That is why they were in the wilderness so often, wandering around, wandering around. The main idea in Scripture that was the same for the Israelites as it is for us today in the church is that God will never break His promise. And what is, and what is his promise? Like we said, he promises that he will come again one day and that he will make all things right and that all those who are in him will experience everlasting joy, complete satisfaction. Running across lobster crates, getting splinters and diving into the water probably with a million journalists taking pictures embarrassingly. That, that's not satisfaction. It may be fun. Some may think it's a, you know, a little crazy. Just like skydiving. A little crazy. It may be fun. It may give you a thrill. But we know that we have a more ultimate satisfaction, a more ultimate hope in our promised future with Christ. We live lives that in light uh, that are in light of that glorious hope. We reflect that beauty that we will experience in the future today. So I implore you, Harmony, I implore myself, <coughs> let's live in light of that promise. Let's expect Let's expect his return and live lives according to that and then let's have hope and live according to his coming promise. And in doing that, in keeping that in the forefront of our mind, I know that God in his grace and through his power of the Holy Spirit will allow us to love one another and to be an example to our communities, to our families, and to the world and desperately Jesus Christ.
today. I thank you for this time that we've had together to read your word, to study your word. Father, I thank you for your grace to me. You know that I am a broken sinner. And this room is full of broken sinners. But you and your wonderful plan have chosen to save us. You have chosen to give your righteousness to us, to cloak us in it. So that when we stand before that judgment seat, Father, you will not see our sin, but you will see Christ and his righteousness covering us. I praise you, Father, that because of that, we can live in godliness and have attitudes and hearts that desire you, that love you, and that overflow into holy conduct. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are going to come one day and that you will reign and that you will rule and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and you will make all things right. But Father, now as we wait, as we patiently wait and we live expectant lives, I ask that you help us to preach your good gospel to those who don't know you. Father, that as many as can be saved will be saved. Father, help us to live lives that reflect your goodness and your love and your grace that we have experienced in our own lives. I ask that you bless this church, Father, as we move forward through this week. Father, that you encourage them and their families and their friends and all that they do. Father, that it all might be glorifying to you and that we as a church might reflect you. I praise you, God, for all that you've done for us. I thank you for your good word. And I ask you to bless us today. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Jason Pauley, pastor of Harmony Bible Church in South Thomaston, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and we invite you to connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Harmony Bible Church. God bless you, and to God be the glory.